Jesse Livermore was born in 1877. He was considered one of the greatest stock traders that few people knew about. Livermore wrote a book called How to Trade Stocks that was released in 1940. At Livermore's peak, he was worth over $100 million, and he made that $100 million by shorting the market in 1929 on Black Tuesday. And when the market crashed, Livermore made $100 million while everybody was losing money on that day in history. Today's dollars, Livermore's $100 million that he made would be the equivalent of between $1.5 and $13 billion, depending on what index you used to calculate the amount and the value of his trading. Livermore, though, had troubles. He went bankrupt several times in his life, both making his fortune and losing his fortune. He was married three times in his life. And in 1934, he lost most of his money that he had gained in 1929. And he did this by continuing to make very risky bets and trades in the market. Then on November 28, 1940, Livermore went to the Sherry Netherland Hotel in Manhattan. He had with him a small notebook and had eight written, handwritten pages were in this personal letter-bound notebook. And the note was addressed to his wife, Harriet, and he nicknamed Harriet Nina. He said, my dear Nina, can't help it. Things have been bad with me. I'm tired of fighting. Can't carry on any longer. This is the only way out. I'm unworthy of your love. I'm a failure. I'm truly sorry. But this is the only way out for me. Love, Lori. After that, Livermore fatally shot himself in the cloakroom of the hotel. At the time of his death, his estate was valued at over $5 million. I got so much trouble on my mind. Refuse to lose. Here's your ticket. Hear the drummer get wicked. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson, and this is my experience. I'm a husband, a father, an educator, an artist, and a man who hopes to use his gifts and talents to make a contribution to the world while he is in it. I want to have a conversation with you today, hopefully one that will cause you to think, reflect, and move towards the best that is in you. This season, I am looking at the music of Public Enemy, specifically today, looking at Welcome to the Terror Dome. And Welcome to the Terror Dome is off the album Fear of a Black Planet, and that was released on April 10th, 1990. Significant to me because I was a senior in high school. Kind of tells you how old I am right now. 1990 was a long time ago. I remember at the time, as a senior in high school, I worked at a store called Dollar Bills. And everything at Dollar Bills was sold for a dollar. I would go work there after school, usually between the hours of 4 and 9 o'clock, and then I would work all day on the weekends. And I would buy a lot of music because I was a musician as well, and I would go either to Hegwish Records 
or discount records. Those were two record stores that were near where I worked. I would drive past Hegwish Records on the way to work and discount records was actually in the plaza where I did work. So if I went on my lunch break, I would oftentimes go to discount records. And at the time, they would keep a whiteboard at both record stores over the counter that had the dates of the new releases. Wasn't an internet at the time to look them up. If you went out and purchased magazines, you would know when they were released or if you happened to work in the music industry. Other than that, you had to depend upon the store to inform you of when new music was coming out or if you read the Sunday paper. But they didn't really track hip-hop that much in the Sunday paper, so I knew it from going to the record stores and seeing the whiteboards over the counter. And I remember seeing Fear of a Black Planet and I was a Public Enemy fan because I had owned their other albums. And I even believe I put down a deposit to have my copy placed on hold. And I do remember when it was released, I drove from school, when we got out at 3.15, straight to the store to pick up my album. And then I brought it home to listen to. I don't even think I had a CD player in my car, so I had to wait till I got home take it out and listen to it. Now, Fear of a Black Planet was a critical and a commercial success. It sold over 2 million albums in the United States, got rave reviews from the critics of the day, and it was considered one of the year's best albums. 2003, Fear of a Black Planet was ranked number 300 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, and 2005, the Library of Congress added it to the National Registry of Songs, of albums. A lot was going on in Welcome to the Terror Dome. One of the things that Chuck D. specifically talked about was the death of Yusef Hawkins. Hawkins was a 16-year-old African-American male who was murdered in the summer of 1989. And Hawkins had gone to Bensonhurst with three friends, to inquire about a used 1982 Pontiac automobile that was for sale. The group of his friends was ambushed by people who were waiting for either African American use or Latino use who believed that they had dated a neighborhood girl. Hawkins and his friends walked into an ambush unaware of what had been going on in the local community. After he was murdered, the police determined that he had not been in any way involved with a neighborhood girl whose honor the kids' killers at the time felt they were protecting. Yusef Hawkins was one year younger than me. Going to look for a car. I remember at the time I was that age looking for a car, wanting to have a car, wanting to drive. Never thought that I would go to look for a car and be murdered. Here are the lyrics that speak about Yusef Hawkins. First, nothing's worse than a mother's pain of a son slain in Bensonhurst. Can't wait for the state to decide the fate. So this jam I dedicate places with racist faces. Example of one of many places. Our minds can be troubled by so many things. 
The troubled mind of Livermore drove him to commit suicide. The troubled mind of teenagers upset over a girl possibly dating a minority youth, teenager, the same age of them probably, drove them to murder. We all have trouble on our mind, and we all take risks in our daily lives. So how do we move through the life with risk and with pain and do it strategically and not recklessly? In 1862, Robert Smalls, he was a slave. He was on a boat with a crew composed of other slaves. And what Smalls did is that he got into a cotton steamer and he picked up some of his family members at a rendezvous point and he slowly navigated his way through a harbor. And Smalls pretended to be the captain of the ship. He even put on a captain's wide brim straw hat to help hide his face. He even learned the proper codes that the Confederates used at their checkpoints, including one at Fort Sumter. Smalls, a slave in a Confederate warship, sailed it out of, into the open, into the high seas. Once he got out of Confederate waters, he had his crew put up a white flag and gave his ship to the Union fleet that had been operating a blockade to prevent Southern troops and ships from getting through. Now, in a couple of hours, Smalls had did something incredible. In the middle of the Civil War, a black male slave had commandeered a heavily armored Confederate ship and took 17 of his fellow passengers, African-American slaves, nine men, five women, three children, from slavery to freedom. In the North, Small was considered a hero and he personally was able to talk to the Secretary of War, Edward Stanton, and convince Stanton to allow black soldiers to enlist into the Union Army. Smalls himself was said to have recruited 5,000 soldiers. And in October of 1862, he returned as a pilot of Admiral DuPont's South Atlantic blockading squadron. He was also engaged in at least 17 military actions, including an April 7, 1863 assault on Fort Sumter and an attack on Folly Island Creek. Smalls was promoted to the rank of captain himself. And from December 1863 on, he earned $150 a month, making him one of the highest paid African-American soldiers of the war. After the war, Smalls continued to push boundaries of freedom 
and uh, he was a first-generation black politician, served in the South Carolina State Assembly, the Senate, and then five terms in the U.S. House of Representatives from 
The A means act. It means act as you normally would act and go about your day and whatever you're working on at the time. Check out your breathing patterns and avoid acting irresponsibly. R means repeat. It means you go back and you do the AWA again until your anxiety is gone or becomes entirely manageable. And then E is expect. Your anxiety is going to provoke fear and a fear that probably never surfaces. For example, you could just be at work and you may think, I'm anxious, I'm going to wreck my car on the way home. It's probably not going to happen. I'm anxious about my job, I'm going to be homeless. Probably is not going to happen. In the moment, get back to your job, get back to your work, breathe. Establish a routine for yourself. Get plenty of time to relax. Fight your anxiety before it kicks in. And exercise. Exercise helps you too. When your mind is giving you trouble, as Chuck D said, refuse to lose. This passage is really good. I like this next part, these next lyrics. God bless your soul and keep it living. Never allowed, kicking it loud, dropping a bomb, brain game, intellectual Vietnam. Move as a team, but never move alone. But welcome to the Terror Dome. This is Stephen Thompson, and this has been my experience. Reflect, think, define your best life and the contribution you want to make according to the gifts you have and your abilities. Feedback from people is only information. It isn't a validation of who you are. Go out today and live your best life.